Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off-the-record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of the Marcello Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women. At work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're going to be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are going to put words to your female experience. They're going to ennoble you as Jesus intended and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. continue our discussion on aging. I'm continuing this conversation because with a friend of mine, a friend and a colleague, Paula Avilo, who's going to join me today. And I met Paula a decade ago when I was a guest speaker at her church in Austin. And over the years, she and I have conversed about all kinds of things, what it's like to be women in ministry, marriage, life, Jesus, you name it, we've talked about it. And recently, I went to her house because I wanted to catch up on life. And, well, she's 70 and she's retired. And previous to her retirement, she served as the care ministry associate at a large denominational church in Austin, um, caring for people in crisis, such as family, caregiving, chronic illness, recovery, divorce, grief, job loss, financial strain. We had a lot of things to talk about. She's a licensed chaplain from the International Fellowship of Chaplains in Texas, in Temple, Texas, and she's married to an amazing man named John. She's got kids and grandkids, some of whom live in South Korea because, hey, they're a military family. And since she's in retirement, she's become aware of the messages on and the assumptions about aging that come from us at every direction. So I want to welcome you, Paula. Thank you for giving me your time today to talk about this fun subject of aging. Oh, it's all the fun stuff. And as you can tell from my bio, I am nothing but talking about fun stuff. Yeah, we have a lot of deep, serious conversations. We, we do. Have to laugh a lot because we do some heavy stuff. It's a survival skill. Yes, it is. So I came over to your house that day and I had aging on my mind because I've become a little unsettled about how we women, my age in particular and beyond, are being pressured um, to stay young. And I'm watching what we're willing to do to try to achieve this impossible task. And when something gets under my skin, so to speak, I tend to do a deep theological dive to figure out what Jesus has to say about it. And then I also start asking others, good theological thinkers, to help me understand what's happening and how I'm supposed to respond in faith. And so you just turned 70, let me mention, and you've just retired, and you've always struck me as someone who's lived really well in your body. So I wanted to know that day what you thought about aging, um, particularly about what we women are doing to ourselves, the tucking and peeling and cosmetic surgery and all of those things. And as soon as we entered into that conversation, you literally sprung to your feet left the room you left me in your room I'm like I don't know where she went and you go I gotta show you something <laughs> and off you went to your room a different room got a journal and brought it back and you showed me this most magnificent diagram that you had been working on and I thought oh my god 
my audience needs to, well, I wish you could see it. And I will post it on the Jackie Always Unplugged Facebook group page if you want to see it. But I thought, oh gosh, you've got to share this with our audience. So tell me exactly what you were doing there. What, what was that? That was me trying to process what, who was going to age me now that I'm mentoring, um, who's mentoring me, and what is their message. And I, I don't usually mind math that furiously, but I did. There was a big square in the middle of the page. So what was that? And then I went out to the edges and thought, okay, how about our relationships? Who, who has been aging me over my, or mentoring me over my life about aging? Media and culture, we could stay there for hours. We weren't. Right. The healthcare professionals, even the faith communities, what is their message about aging? And I realized that um, that wasn't particularly helpful. And I kind of got a little introspective and freaked out about how do I find out in this next stage of life how to do it well? Because I like being old. I can say this from a place of privilege. I'm fairly healthy and I'm safe. And I have family, I have friends. So um, that won't always stay that way. They could change, that could change by the end of the day. So how do I prepare? When I say that I love being old, people look at me kind of like I'm in denial or, mm. or I'm just trying to be cute. So somebody will say, oh, but you look so cute for your age. Aren't you a cute little thing? And so <laughs> I, I realized that God's view was nowhere in those things. And this is when many of the things you've said to me have come back about purpose and calling. So how do I age with purpose and calling? But first I dug into all the messages that I'm giving just I'm giving just as I uh, pick up uh, anything, Facebook, a newspaper, an ad, a piece of mail that came to me without my permission. So what, what are some of those messages? You, you outlined the, the, gra- the groups that you had, media and culture, yeah. health pro- professionals, relationships, yeah. church. Yeah. What, what, when you started going, okay, what am I getting? What are the messages? And by the way, this is a great exercise to do about all kinds of things in our life because I think us women and men are so un, un- not in tune to what the messages we're actually receiving. Mm. We just kind of take so much stuff in and we never actually stop and say, what is it you're telling me about me? And is it true? Right. Mm-hmm. So you did the hard work of actually writing it out. So what did you discover is being said to you from those categories? Mm-hmm. Uh, subliminal and subtle and yet very obvious messages. You have to be tuned into them that in media and culture, men are praised for still looking good as they age. That's right. That's right. Uh, so I want to and, and, and let yeah. me pause on this and say, sure. um, for those of you who are men out there listening or you married to a man or you have a man in your life, a brother, a, ch- a son, um, men also struggle with aging. But Mm -hmm. their worth is not tied to the same things that our worth is tied to as we age. And so for men who are aging, the biggest battle is how is how big is their um, wallet Mm -hmm. and what kind of profession and title do they have? Mm -hmm. So those are the things that define their value as they age. Also, some Mm -hmm. sexual proudness, if we're going to be really honest. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's different for women. So, yes, men are not are praised uh, for and for still looking good at their age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, go ahead. glad you brought that up. But how many, how many deadlifts can I do? How many miles can I bike? How many can I still perform like yeah. I did? No matter how they look, women who are praised for looking good as they age are the ones who've had fillers, surgery, 
and hair that somehow still looks like it did when they were 30, whether it's a wig or extensions. Um, in other words, you are aging well if you look the same as you did when you were much younger. And I, my guess is that many of us now are thinking about a particular star, celebrity, who's had fillers and all yep. the things and the Botox. And YouTube is full of makeup and clothing tips to disguise or deny age. This is what you're supposed to do to look like you're not your age. Healthcare professionals, that's a whole new thing. Uh, that there are, there are prescriptions and procedures to fight aging for its own sake. Not just to fight disease, but to fight aging for its own sake. Relationships. What is your family of origin telling you about what your life is supposed to be like as you age? How, as I look back, how, what did my family think and say about the old people behind their backs? Oh, they're a burden? Um, our habits, our attitudes, uh, our heredity? Well, grandma got this way when she was old. I guess I'm going to get that way when I get old. How about our current family and friends and coworkers? What are those conversations like? Sometimes, what do we say about ourselves? Oh, I yeah. forgot somebody's name. I've just had a senior moment. Shocker, right. I have forgotten people's names my whole life. Me but too. Now, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, that's the first thing that goes when I'm a little stressed is, hey, sister, <laughs> I'll remember your name at three in the morning. But the, the focus quite often becomes planning for illness and death, not living abundantly now. How can I live now so that I don't have to move in with my kids mm. and be a burden to them? Um, and of course, it's smart. I have all the papers. I have the advanced directives and the power of attorney. I've even pre-planned my funeral so that my children don't have to do it, mostly because I want to have the last word even after I'm gone. <laughs> Surprise. Shocking. <laughs> uh, but faith communities, I... I see it in churches all the time that the older generations are isolated. Unless they're mentoring someone younger, they are often left to care for each other in crisis. Oh, here's the senior Sunday school class. Here's yep. the senior Sunday school class of women who are widowed and divorced. And there's not a lot of mixing in between ages. Even though we are told that we're a family, it doesn't often look like a family. The people who need That's the right. help are often just giving the help. And I live in a 55 plus apartment community. I would love it if there were a preschool downstairs. That would be great. Right. I, think, yeah. I think they could learn. There are so many people in America whose grandparents don't live close. And so many of us who have grandchildren across the other side of the world, I think we could be surrogate grandchildren and grandparents to each other. So those are my things that, um, Aging is a problem. Aging is a problem. And it's communicated yeah. all the way through in yeah. every sector of society. Sector. Um, so when you finished looking over that whole, you know, like, who am I getting? Who's mentoring me? Right. Whether I realize it or not. And mm -hmm. then what are they saying to me? And then you finished it. What was the conclusion? Because you kind of wrote out a sentence and said, here's the general thing. Aging is failure. It must be disguised or destroyed. And there is no emotion about it except fear. Wow. 
I hope um, that those of you listening out there can really take that in. Aging is a problem. It must be disguised or destroyed. Aging is a failure, and the only emotion you can have about it is fear. Does that sound like Jesus's words about having an abundant life, right? Is that and, and, and by the way, Jesus did say he'd come to give us life, to give us life abundantly. And he doesn't say until you hit 70. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's, it's done. Which, which, by the way, we should say that um, I recently read an article that talked about when women start to be um, invisible and considered aging in society. The age is 46, people. 46. Like, I'm 57. I'm thinking, 46? They're babies. They haven't even gotten started in this process. <laughs> One of my babies is 46 this summer. <laughs> But that's the number where women start to say they move into the, and of course, that's when you start experiencing menopause, right? And there is something tied to this, which we're not even going to get into today, but this idea that, you know, you're no longer um, having sex, supposedly, after you go through menopause, like you're sexless, right? And so there is something tied to that, this idea that you're no longer, I can't use the word because I want to use a word on this podcast that would get me in trouble. But um, I won't. But the point is, uh, a lot of that has to do with she's no longer reproducing children. The reproductive years are over. Sexuality diminishes. Um, Not true, by the way. I'm having the best sex of my life at 57. (laughs) Girl, please. We're all here to give us all hope, aren't we? (laughs) Oh, my poor husband's going to go, oh, my God, did she just say that? Okay. So uh, everywhere we know media, we could spend hours on how media pushes youth, which, by the way, I also want to say we're not being pushed to be beautiful because women can be beautiful at all ages and stages. My mother is beautiful and she's 80. You can't see Paula, but I'm here to tell you she's beautiful at 70. She's beautiful. What we're doing is not trying to stay beautiful. What we're doing is trying to stay young. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different thing. Um, beauty is actually something that's attainable. Youth is not. It's going, you're going to age, period. You cannot defy it. So everybody knows the media uses it. Can you give us some examples where you've seen it show up and, and what are they saying about aging? I know everybody that's listening has heard it, but just to kind of give them a few things. Sure, sure. I listened to a six or eight episode uh, podcast series by uh, Sanjay Gupta on CNN. And I, it, I was more surprisingly um, encouraged by it than I expected it to be. He, he grabbed some of his own misconceptions about aging now that he's older now in his 50s, apparently. He talked to his 80-something parents, and I give him all the credit for being willing to admit that he didn't, it wasn't going to be as hideous as he thought it was. Again, <laughs> um, there were some people on his program who were all into aging just for the sake of aging itself, not for what you and I are talking about, purpose and calling, but because it, they wanted to feed it and help people live longer for its own for its own goal, its own purpose. I saw, of course, everything is Barbie. I haven't seen Barbie yet. I'm going with a daughter-in-law tomorrow to see Barbie. Everything's Barbie. There was, a, there was an organization online for older people. They took a caricature of Barbie in her 80s, put her in a 
pink suit, of course, uh, bouffant hair. I think Jackie Kennedy back in her heyday, mm-hmm. just giant mm-hmm. hair, a graying hair, put her in her own home by herself at the age of 80-something and told people how to be aware of how Barbie is aging. She sat her at a dinner table and said, oh, look at the blank expression on Barbie's aging face. She probably has dementia. And then they put her in a chair with a bunch of um, things on the floor and said, Barbie, please watch out for this person if she's in your family because she's obviously having trouble getting down to pick up some things that are on the floor and there's a little bit of clutter. Maybe she has some hoarding tendencies, but it's likely she's going to fall. And I understand that they were trying to be honest about some very real things that happen as as we get older. But they certainly didn't show your mother on there gardening and living a full life at her age. And wheeling an axe at 80. And, <laughs> yes, yeah, an axe. Stay on her good side, friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the one that got me the most was, do you know, if you look at one thing on the socials, the algorithms the next day will show you nothing about that thing. So the next yes. day after I saw the aging Barbie, uh, there was an ad with someone who was in her 40s smiling and saying, I didn't know I smelled like an old person until someone told me. And I made that face she just made like, oh, what? And it turns out to nad for a product. You buy our fruit shampoo or something, then you won't smell like an old person. It's sold on Amazon, of course. Anyway, that infuriated me. And then there's an organization for older people. That's everywhere. Probably most everyone you know has joined it. They, I get one of their articles every month. It's all full of useful information. Um, bars for your showers. Um, phones with big numbers. Because we're all... We can't see. We We can't can't see. see. Yeah. Um, But by the time I've done reading the article after good deals on hearing aids, great deals on glasses, great deals on walkers and wheelchairs, and here are these organizations, I feel ancient and decrepit. I feel older after I've read nothing but all of these tips on how to age well. And I realized I needed some balance in my life. I need to go out and be with people who talk about something else other than that. Yeah, that's a part of aging. A part. And it happens at very different stages, but there's no talk about also living no. and purpose and calling no. and, and joy, right? Like it's it, that's the problem is it's not balanced. We're not right. saying those things are very helpful, but... If that's all you're ever hearing, then you're moving actually toward that. That mm-hmm. seems to be all that's left or all for you, right? Um, so you started doing some more reading. You talked to me about that. Like, wait a minute, I also need to read some other things that that have a better perspective or a wider range on what it means to be aging. And so if you could share a couple of those resources with the audience, that'd be great. Because there's some people here that need to start thinking and doing sure. some of that reading, you know? Sure. I would love to. I I guess it must have been when I was 55 and someone offered me my first senior discount 15 years ago that probably shocked me into thinking, oh, this is a stage. It's as real. So right about that same time, uh, I found a book called Embracing Your Second Calling, Finding Passion and Purpose for the Rest of Your Life by Dale Hanson Burke. I was from 2008 and 
I didn't go through the whole thing. It was a reflective workbook, but it certainly headed me in the right direction. But the pickings between then and now were slim. Hmm. Um, I found Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. That, that was published in 2011. I loved that his subtitle is A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life. Um, he had me at, at the introduction where he mentioned a, a Native American saying that said, no wise person ever wanted to be younger. And, and as I think back, I, I think I may not like being 70. It may be a little bit of a shock to learn how to adjust and live abundantly and figure out how to still do the things I can. But if you gave me the choice to go back to previous decade, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, and it's funny because people assume that, you know, that's like somebody said to me last night, oh, well, you look so much younger than that. And I was like, well, no, I obviously, this is obviously what a 57 year old looks like because I yes. am one and yes. I've done nothing to change that yet. I, I, I might, I'm saying, I'm not saying I'm not against cosmetic surgery or non-surgical procedures. I'm just saying I haven't yet, you know? And so I'm like, no, so this is obviously what a 57 year old does look like, you know? And then one time I was at the gym this week and we were all working out and we work out in teams. And this guy who's probably 20 years younger than me, no, maybe he's probably 40, early 40. And he said something to the effect of, well, I need to get bigger arms. And I go, why? What's wrong with your arms? And he goes, well, they're just not muscular long. I'm like, you have great arms. He's 40. He's talking about needing bigger arms, you know? And I go, you have great arms. And the other guy next to him says, yeah, but we're all here because we hate our bodies. And I looked at him and I said... (laughs) No, I'm not here because I hate my body. I actually like how I look. <laughs> I'm actually here because I need to get on an airplane in Africa and I need to sit for 18 hours and then, you know, go out in the bush and squat and poop. And I need to be able to have thighs that can do it. Like, no, we're not all here because we hate ourselves. Anyway, just it's phenomenal the comments we make and, and hear. So, yeah, no, we're not all looking to get younger. We're not all sad with how we look and feel. And yeah. Okay. Another one, another book they may consider. Parker Palmer, 2018, wrote a book called On the Brink of Everything, Grace, Gravity, and Getting Old, which you have to love a book with that title. And one of my favorite quotes in there is, looking around at our shared world, its suffering and its promise, I see the courage with which so many live in service of the human possibility. Calling purpose, Jackie, we were just talking about that. Old age is no time to hunker down unless disability demands it. Old is just another word for nothing left to lose, a time of life to take bigger risks on behalf of the common good. And, of course, old is just another word for nothing left to lose. I mean, is that not Janis Joplin? Yeah. Me and Bobby McGee. Like freedom. Yeah. <laughs> there's some freedom in getting old, too. There is freedom in getting old. I agree with you. Yeah. 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 And how can I leave without talking about Michelle Van Loon's book, Becoming Sage? She wrote that in 2020. That has been a good help to me. And Aging Faithfully by um, Alice Friley. That listening to the silent messages of our bodies. I mean, you're listening to the message. I have something to do in Africa. I have to survive an 18-hour plane trip. Right. Right. And then live my purpose and calling while I'm there. That's right. And so let me listen to my body and and go prepare it for, for that mission. My body is telling me things, though, my brain doesn't want me to hear. I don't. I cannot keep up the pace I kept when I was 40, right. nor do I want to. But those of us who think we can try to ignore our aging bodies and just think our way out of old age are going down a misguided path. 
you had to do something to get ready for your trip at the age of 57. That's right. My guess is you wouldn't have had to do that much when you were 37. No. And even now when, you know, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because two things I want to pick up on is like, you can't go as fast and hard and you actually don't even want to. And I sure. find that interesting. I think in general, those two things kind of come together. Now, I, I would imagine there's some people that their bodies are slowing them down and they're not ready to, and that must be difficult. But I actually find like my mind, body and soul are in sync. Like I want to slow down and, and my body is slowing down. Right. And yet I actually also am okay with that. But I, I was thinking about Steve, you know, I think he's, I don't even know how many times, I think he's taken 60 trips to Africa back and forth, sometimes for one hour meeting, 30 hours on a plane, shows up for a meeting for an hour, back on the plane for 30 hours. And this last time he came home, now he's almost 60, he'll be 60 in January, and he has intense energy and always has. So I think it's a little bit of a, like he doesn't get that he doesn't have the the same energy he did. I think he's having to learn that, listen to his body, but he came home and he took like a whole week to get himself turned back around. He never does that. He used to just come home, go straight to work, home on Sunday, straight to work on Monday, you know? And so now I said to him, hey, baby, from now on, as your wife, because you can't seem to see what's happening to you, but I do, you're going to actually schedule four days when you get home where you do nothing, nothing. Because your body demands it this time, you know? Um, When I travel internationally, like I'm going two days early because I know I won't be able to function and think well anyway if I go land and have to immediately start doing something, you know? So I go a little early so that I can settle my jet lag down. So you're right. It's like listening to things are changing. But it's kind of been that way our whole lives. When we were pregnant, we had to do things differently. When we had, you know, periods at 14 and we were achy and fatigued, we had to stop, right? Like, it's a, it's the same concept. It's just saying, oh, I'm hearing you and I'm willing to shift. Don't you think? I do. And we need that. We need to look out and find people who can say, oh, I've been pregnant before. This is how was what helped me. There need to be some positive messages out there about all of the things. And we're just going to start that now. Let's just start doing that now. Yeah, I, agree with I love that you have accountability with Steve about that. I, uh, in case anybody wondered who invented overcommitment, that would be me. I am the queen <laughs> of overcommitment. And back in the day, I would get my life balanced. And I had a couple of friends to say, when I say, when I want to take on something new, I want you to ask me well, what are you going to give up in order to keep your life balanced? So that's wonderful that you yep. guys do that. But now I can't, I think there are fewer things like, oh, you're doing two things. You used to do four, six right. was too much. Now you're doing two. You'd love to do this other thing, but what are you going to give up? Let's right. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And which one is actually deeper. Jesus asking you to do? Yeah. And which yeah. one is okay if you don't? It's Okay. Yeah, because if, yeah. if I'm in the wrong place, then there are two people in the wrong place. Me, right. and I'm not supposed to be there. And the person who is supposed to be there, but can't because I'm there. Yeah, I, my counselor one time said to me, because I, I was burned out, and I was literally burned out. And I went, and I was like, what's happening to me? He goes, well, that's called burnout. And I was like, oh, I went home and like had to like figure out on the computer, what is burnout? And how do you stop it? And I almost burned out trying to figure out how to stop burnout. But um <laughs> 
But one of the things he said to me, I said, if I don't do it, it will go undone and women's needs will be unmet. And he said, well, that sounds like a Messiah complex. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Oh. ouch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it will go undone. And who's Jesus, Jackie? Who's Jesus? That's right. Yeah. So if you can't do four anymore and you can only do two, two, guess what? Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Get it down with or without you, you know? So there are probably some younger women coming back who could could hear that. Yeah. (laughs) So you're a strong woman of faith. Your faith has driven your life. How does that inform you now that you're at the at 70 and beyond? And has Jesus said anything to you in particular? And maybe he hasn't. But has there been any conversations where he's had to sweetly talk to you about something and help you comprehend this different stage? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm going to give credit to COVID because uh, a lot of people during COVID, my age, didn't get this challenging gift of aging. I think we mm-hmm. might have forgotten the the sheer horror of the first few months of COVID where we thought it was coming for all the old people and it looked like it did and indeed it did and that was it was horrifying but it is aging is a challenging gift i should receive it with gratitude and use it generously Hmm. which means maybe feel like you learned or yes yes was that hard and use it generously yes yes hard earned Mm -hmm. over the covid or not really a soft sweet landing you know, Jesus does it differently sometimes. Yes. You know? Yes. It, it was hard during the initial year, as all of us. Like it, it, this was our first pandemic. It wasn't God's first plague, but it was right. ours. So, um, yes. Watching people, planning funerals for people, planning memorial services for people who were... Um, who died unexpectedly during COVID gives you a sense of perspective. If God gives you the grace of time to use yeah. that wisely. Yeah. yeah. And that was part of your job at the church right. was to handle some of those things. And there was, mm-hmm. I remember meeting with you one time over dinner and it was a lot. I remember mm-hmm. you carrying a lot of death mm-hmm. and a lot of people's grieving mm-hmm. in that stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Which is a privilege well, you know, to do, but it is a privilege, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I, I love I, I I've centered a lot on Sol- Solomon's writing in Ecclesiastes, like probably the last ten years of my life, which is so weird that I spend that much time in Ecclesiastes, and I don't even know what that says about my personality. But one of the things that he says that I think is so wise, right? It's wisdom literature. Is he says that you should actually attend some more funerals than you do parties, and his point is, um, when you go to a funeral, you start taking inventory. You start realizing you're not going to live forever and you really get streamlined in your purpose, not only in what kind of work you will do, but what kind of people get your time and your energy, what you're going to give your everyday moments to. Like you get way more focused in this third half of life, I think, than you were previously. And it's because death is way closer. You know, all things holding equal. Death Mm -hmm. is closer. And you take inventory. And Solomon says that, you know. So we've listened to some things you've read that I hope will be helpful for the audience. And by the way, I will list those books 
on um, the Jackie Always Unplugged Facebook group so that you have them. Um, but I would love to know what kind of action steps are you taking? Because I know you are a doer. Like you are a thinker. You've got this whole Vingram mind thing done and like yanking it out, you know, sharing it all. But you've got action steps. There's things you're going to do about this. So tell us, what, what are some things you're doing during this season of your life? Thank you for starting that off that way. I'm going to work my age into every conversation where it's the least bit <laughs> relevant. <clears throat> Just to get people used to hearing it in casual conversation. Because we hide right. age as if it's something like, em- oh, I'm going to tell you what I weigh. No, right? It's right, that's like, right. oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm done with the a woman who will tell her age will tell anything cute response. Yeah. I'm 70. I said, right. how many times have we said that? Can we have a contest? How many times can we say that? In I think five or six at least. At yes. least. Yeah. I and refuse I- to hide it if it's, if it's a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I agree yeah. with you. I, that is one of the reasons I constantly say my age too, is to like get it to be normal. And again, I'm not 70 yet, but I'm 57 and I'm heading into this, like that third part of life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I want people to know, Hey, look, I'm, I'm about to write a book, my fifth book and I'm 57. I know I don't even really want to, but I love this guy and he asked me and Jesus said, yes. Oh and there gosh. you go. That's two out of three. I think it's... I, in my mind, I thought, I'm never writing another book. I'm too old. And here I am. I'm going to start at 57. Another one. Here we go. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, put okay, put what me else? on the book lunch. Put me on the book lunch. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with myself and others, and we've talked about this, about slowing the pace of life and outside commitments in favor of fewer and deeper relationships. So it's, it's going to narrow in, but go down. And not yeah. feel guilty about that. There would have been a time where I felt guilty wasn't I wasn't doing all the things because I love all the things. Yeah, but we're going to do. There, and and there's the freedom element you were talking about. Right. It's like I got to get serious now. I've got limited time. I'm being mm-hmm. very selective mm-hmm. over who I'm giving my time to. Um, and this is, I will say, this has been a little bit of a battle between me and my mother because I have one sibling that has out of a five of us that has been on the outside of our family for a very long time by, by their choice. And just recently they have decided they want to enter back into the family and there's not been any prep work or any kind of reconciliation work or anything to do the, the ruptures that had gone on in those years. And my mom keeps pushing this sibling upon me and the sibling is actually very unhealthy for me always sits me into, um, to be honest with you, somewhat of an abusive sibling relationship is what ends up happening almost always. And I have said to my mother, mom, I love you. And I get that you are 80 and you so want your children to all be in great, you know, relationship with one another before you pass. And I get that I'm a mother. I want that for my kids too. I said, but what you're doing is you're asking me to take on abuse and I just won't do that anymore. I've taken punches my whole life and I'm kind of like, no, I'm being more selective. So this relationship you want me to have with my sibling, it's going to have some different boundaries and different ways of looking than you want it to look. And and that's been a real tension between us. She doesn't, she, she kind of puts her fingers in her ears and goes, la, 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 mm-hmm. like she can't hear me, but I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I keep holding the line. <laughs> what a kind and strong thing for you to do though, because just because she's older and you're right, you do, you want all your 
like you're all, you're all children to play well together before of before you go. But that was very kind of you. Yeah. Well, she didn't think so, but anyway. no, she probably right, so won't. What else? What else? What else? <laughs> what else? I'm going to fix whatever age-related physical condition hinders me from living out my purpose. For example, I just had a double blepharectomy, which is um, where you get your upper and lower eyelids done because they they were both puffy and saggy so that I was looking through like I was looking through binoculars. I had no peripheral vision. <laughs> and I found myself deciding whether or not to go babysit, to go out to dinner, to go to a class or whatever, based on whether I felt I could start, drive safely at night. And I thought, that's crazy. This is fixable. Insurance will pay for it. I'm having this done. And I have the pictures to prove. I, I took pictures of myself the day I came home from surgery and I look like I'm trying to be goth, by the way, with all the bruises, which is not a good look when you're 70. I don't care what we just said. But now I can <laughs> I can see to drive well again at night. So that's what I got done. However, I will not fix anything. This is my decision that I will not fix anything purely to reverse the visible signs of aging just for their own sake. Great. That's what I say today. Sadly, it's going to be up for all the Internet to hear if I change my mind. And I'll we can change on. our minds. And we can because change we're our not, minds. We're not saying, and I want to say this to those of you listening, because I know so many of you have yeah. had work done, one way or yeah. the other, cosmetic, right. not cosmetic, blah, blah, blah. This isn't judgment. And, and no. this is not thus says the Lord decision. We're not no. saying any of those kinds of work are bad in and of themselves. What we are right. saying is, let's stop and ask some questions. What are we chasing and what are we giving our energy and time to? And is it really worth it? Like, Hey, I want to be able to drive at night because it hinders me from doing things I still want to do and still can do. Right. Or, you know, I have a friend who dyes her hair because to be honest, it's harder to get a job at 60 years old. If you have there gray you hair, by the way, I, I dye my hair just because my hair doesn't get gray enough and it looks stupid. It's like, Either go gray or be brown, but don't like be halfway. Pick a choice. Pick a view, man. Yeah. And I'm even looking now. I think, okay, you know, I've got all these aging spots. Maybe I'll get a a peel. You know, I don't know. We're not saying that's bad. No. No. But you're just saying for you, you've had to actually think about it. You've Mm -hmm. given it thought and Mm -hmm. thought, okay, what do I want? And that's what we're asking for the audience. Give this some thought. Why are you doing what you're doing? Right. And I am not looking for a job. So I don't, I, I grew my hair gray by the time I was 60. That changed how people reacted to me. I'm privileged. I don't have to look for a job. I would change my mind maybe if I had to compete and that kept. In the work world. Right. I, Absolutely. I might. I might. Right. So we're not saying there's no judgment here. No. You're just saying no. for you. Here we go. For me. Okay. And my budget is not unlimited. So <laughs> That's the other reason I can't do it either. <laughs> do I want to use this money to get rid of the, the surgery down here with the cowardly lion lines or do I want to go to Korea to see my grandkids and I'm on yep. a plane there you go yeah that's me am I going if hiking I, in Montana or am I getting a peel I'm probably going hiking in Montana probably going hiking <laughs> there you go we'll see um I'm going to learn new things every day I've signed up for the UT um, Osher Lifelong Learning Institute every Tuesday we go down and have a bunch of classes and lectures and happy hours and field trips and those kind of things and I'm looking forward to learning about telescopes and uh, the history of Hitler's rise to power and the history of Saturday Night Live or just just anything to learn something right. new to keep the brain engaged and 
my biggest goal is, oh, please, from my mouth to God's ears, let me keep a sense of humor about all of this, which is why it's so fun to talk to you. <laughs> you can always well, get I a mean, good laugh. I mean, the truth is, you got to be able to laugh at this, right? You in, in aging takes courage, it takes faith, and it does take humor. I mean, sometimes I wake up and my eyes are so puffy or whatever, and my hair is like... It, I could dress for Halloween and I literally, before I do anything, I walk out and I say to my kids, if they happen to be here or Steve, I'm like, I just need you guys to check this out before I fix it <laughs> because this is something. <laughs> I want credit for how much, how much force is going to go in. My sweet husband keeps telling me, oh, sweetie, you are just as beautiful now as you were the day I married you. And I said, that's because you have no eyesight anymore. Your that's eyesight's right. on that. But thank you. I'll take that. You know what? My husband thinks I'm just as beautiful, too. And the beautiful thing about aging with someone that's somewhere near your own age is that you're aging together. You know, it's it's we can joke and laugh about this together. And my friends and I laugh about it together. So you're right. We need a little bit of humor. Well, I just want to thank you. You have been uh, everything I thought you would, which is real and honest and funny and thought-provoking. And my hope is that your words will help others that are listening walk um, well into this third half of life, third part of life, which we're all heading toward, regardless mm -hmm. of whether you're 30 now, 40 now, 50 now, you're, we're all heading there, you know? And you are right. It's a privilege to age. It's a privilege to age, so... Thank you, thank Paula. You for, thank you for the privilege. You've always been a, a safe place to be me. <laughs> well, I really I like you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Talk to you, you later. Back at right. lady. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese. R-O-E-S-E. -E. Have a great day.